Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and you're very welcome to the show, which is part of the Education on Fire podcast network. I just wanted to take this moment to thank our sponsor, the National Association for Primary Education, who speak for young children and all who live and work for them. This can include parents, teachers, governors and all those interested in primary education. NAEP, which is a non-political charity, works tirelessly to support teachers in the classroom and leads the primary umbrella group of 30 primary subjects associations and unions and gives teachers and schools a voice at governmental level at consultation meetings with ministers for schools. If you'd like your voice to be heard and to find out more information, please visit their website at nape.org.uk. That's N-A-P-E Hello and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place where we share creative and inspiring learning in our schools. Primary Music Special, episode 104. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast with me, Mark Taylor. Today we're carrying on our Primary Music on Fire specials and I'm delighted to be joined by Kelly Parrish today. And she's going to be talking to us a little bit about Kadai, which isn't something we've spoken to very much about before. But most importantly, when I, I found her as we were on, in a community on Facebook, it was actually her things that she was selling on Etsy and sort of resources that she created within her own environment which I just thought would be wonderful to share and and give us a little bit of an insight into into kind of what makes your classroom and what you can use in music and education and all those kind of things so Kelly thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me Mark I, I'm glad to be here so people will hear from your accent you're not UK based so give us a little <laughs> bit of an idea of where you are where you are in the world Right. I'm, I'm in the U.S. I, I'm a native Texan. Um, I live in a suburb of Dallas, which is in North Texas. And um, I've lived here all my I've lived in Texas at least all my life. Um, born in South Texas, went to school in East Texas and now reside here in, in Plano, Texas. So, yeah. So take us through a little bit of your sort of musical education and, and your background in terms of how you've got to the sort of teaching that you're doing now and the sorts of things that you do on your sort of day-to-day teaching life. Yeah, um, well, I, I began um, playing the piano when I was very young. Um, my brother played before I did, and I just fell in love with the instrument listening to him play. So I uh, soon after he had to quit lessons due to... Uh, a growing social life, I guess, um, I began to take lessons in his place. And it just stuck. I, I love music. I, I fell in love with it. And I joined choir later on in school. And towards the end of high school, you know, I realized it was something I wanted to pursue. So I, I went into music education, with an emphasis on um, teaching elementary. Um, I mean, I do have a K-12 certification here is how they do it. But I, I definitely wanted to do elementary from the start. So I um, I came here to North Texas to do my student teaching, and I had an amazing mentor teacher um, who was um, trained in Kodai. And in fact, the whole district is uh, that I that I started out in is has an emphasis on the Kodai method. And I was very lucky to get a job right away. And um, the district provided Kodai training for us. Um, and it took the first three years. We, we did kind of an interesting model where we had class on Saturday once a month. And so that we could take our ideas and our learning back to the classroom. And then we had a few days in the summer to wrap up. And so that was a really interesting way to go about it. Um, 
because I could take things back to my classroom immediately and try them out. And that was extremely helpful as a, as a first year teacher, of course, when you get in the classroom, you, no matter how good your, your background is or your training is, the real world is, is, is quite different. And so the Kodai method really helped me jump into the classroom and really start laying the foundation of music literacy with the kids that I had. I really like that. I did um, Kodai as a, is part of my module when I was doing my music degree in London and um, and the skills and the understanding that I learned through that really aided, aided me as, as a professional musician but certainly as I've gone into education as well just that that innate understanding of what it does for you I think is really key and I, and I guess especially as a as a beginner teacher like you were just saying there having a structure or a framework or an idea of what you're trying to achieve off the bat is a, is a really positive thing. It is. And, you know, that having that sequence and being introduced to that sequence uh, and the structure of, of prepare, practice, prepare, present and practice, it um, it really guided my teaching. Without it, I'm not sure where I would be right now. It's um, it's a great foundation for um, for first year teachers or any year teacher to get into and to learn about. So for those people that um, haven't, aren't aware of it or haven't used it or, or don't have that much experience with it, can you just sort of give them a, a basic sort of background of exactly what's involved in, and, and in specifically, I guess, how you use it in practice within your school? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not claiming to be a, an, an absolute researched expert or anything, but I, I do put it to use um, from what I have been trained in the background. But, you know, the Kodai method is a, you know, really interactive, um, a, a really great approach to promote literacy, uh, musical literacy in your in your classroom and in your, your community. It's um, it's a great uh, method that that shows sequence you know, there's there's a definite sequence to to how to approach a method or a a, a, a topic, sorry. <laughs> and so, you know, to to emphasize, you know, great literature. You know, Kodai said only the best is good enough for our children, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, you know, to to use that to to use that um, quality literature to teach concepts is um, something that. Uh, has has really made a difference in my classroom we we go through the sequence of learning and interacting with those folk songs and those folk singing games and when when it gets to applying those concepts the kids are you know just so engrossed in the fun and the enjoyment of making music that it's not an arduous task so I love that about Kodai. Yeah, and and do you use um the hand signs and, and all of that as part and parcel of what you do? Mm-hmm, definitely, I I absolutely start um the hand signs at sometimes the end of kindergarten or beginning of first grade, depending on where the kids are, and we we start with um, high and low, so and me, and build from there. And it's a great way to build that oral that oral concept of of hearing music first before notation so absolutely i love the i love the solfa yeah i i I think that's that's really key isn't it because if if you can hear it um and you can you you, it's almost like seeing it and hearing it at the same time in your mind i think that's the way i used to sort of feel about it and and as someone who wasn't particularly strong at singing um or very confident at singing (laughs) especially when i was you know at college in my sort of um, early 20s or whatever um 
it just, just that that way of the fact that everyone's in the same boat everyone was doing the same thing and the fact that you can just sort of almost see all this music going ahead of you even though there might not be any sound it, i mean i just remember in one class actually having all the hand signs going and everyone you can just hear them singing the tune in their head mm-hmm. and it's such, a, it's such an amazing experience it is it is you know the we put an emphasis on the five voices and the fifth one being you know the thinking or the audiating voice and it's incredible to build that that knowledge silently you know like you said um i love being able to hear my kids you know okay put the music in your head and then i just make such a silly big ordeal about how oh i can see you thinking i see you singing i hear you singing and they're like what we didn't make a sound (laughs) but it's true and and they feel it too and it's it's a great accomplishment for them to build that aural experience yeah and like i said it can happen from such a young age and when it's just inbuilt like that as you go through it's uh i think it's a wonderful thing and and for those of you listening who who aren't aware of it or haven't spent much time with it i'm going to have some links to to all, all the kadai um places and i think carol aviol from prime music on fire she actually had a, a link in our facebook group about some of these things so i'll make sure all those are on the awesome. show notes so you can go and experiment a little bit more absolutely cool so tell us a little bit about your in-class experience now how long have you been teaching for what sort of things do you find work really well and 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 what sort of your experience that you've gained that you can really share with everybody um well i've been teaching for over 17 years um this will be 18 or so (laughs) coming up and um i find that the kids really respond to just the basic folk songs. I mean, they're hearing all this this crazy stuff on the radio. You know, they're, they have access to YouTube and Spotify, and they have access to all the latest tunes, but it really surprises me that when they come into my classroom, they want to play Closet Key, or they want to play Chicken on a Fence Post. And even up to fifth grade, you know, when they're starting to get a little more... Um, choosy about what they they participate in they they really love the classics when you introduce it in a way that shows you appreciate them and that you love them and you find value in them and i find that 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 even you know the the most stubborn kids and the pickiest kids really fall in love with some of those songs and you know, they've they've told me before that, oh, we played this song out on the playground yesterday and it, it makes me smile or I'll, uh, my favorite. My favorite is is having a younger sibling come in and hear a song from me for the first time. And they just beam because their older brother or sister sang it to them already at home. And that's the best, because when they're taking music outside of the classroom, you know that you've done your job. Absolutely. And, and I think that there's something about the the beauty, the simplicity, the, I don't know, that there's a connection, isn't there, in some of those sorts of folk songs and some of those tunes, which I think just connects with people. In this, and of course, with children, I think at that age as well, I think they really identify with that, which I think is why you get such a reaction. It does. It does. They they really, you know, like I said, they have they have access to everything nowadays. But to take it, um, you know, to take it a step back and especially the folk tales that tell us a story, you know, they really they really connect with those. It's not something they're exposed to often. And yet there's still um, there's still a draw there that they really, really love and they really they really care for. 
So singing is obviously a large part of what you do. Do you use any instruments? How, how do you sort of expand it sort of beyond just the vocal? I do use instruments. Um, yeah, we, we start in kindergarten with just your basic egg shakers. That's one of my favorite things to use right away. Um, they Anything that you can put in their hands, they just love you know obviously their kids are very hands-on and they we use xylophones of course and i use that a little bit or I, as much as i can to re, uh, to emphasize the solfege learning the the solfa learning and the reinforcement of steady beat and other concepts high and low of course so yeah um you know definitely a lot of drums tubanos i'm i'm pretty lucky to have a, a pretty good amount of of percussion instruments in my classroom and i just got a set of ukuleles so i'm looking forward to that as well which is kind of a a new thing that's that everybody's really crazy about so yeah absolutely yeah um we we, we did a four-day ukulele challenge in our last sort of half term holiday and um Excellent. there's some um, um paul mansell um who lives actually amazingly not far from me i met him at a conference in london but actually lives literally almost just up the road and he'd written a book called ukulele school um oh. and, it, and it's great for schools it's great for teachers it's great for um sort of group learning and all of that but we thought what would be interesting as i was a complete ukulele novice we decided mm-hmm. that actually he would teach me and also carol aviard how to play the ukulele <laughs> so we did <laughs> we, we did four facebook live um challenges and we just took a song each day um from his book and worked it through and it was so much fun and i can see why the like you say the ukulele is sort of the new thing is because you can sing along with it you can take it as simply as you want to but actually you could your dexterity can take you a long way um all the way through as well and i I think it's just yeah it's opened up a whole new world of sort of musical language in some ways it has it has and 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 you know you can just even with a simple chord, you know, one, one simple chord, like you said, you can accompany yourself and, you know, the kids feel so successful when they're making music that they think sounds like grownups. And so they, they love that simplicity. And like you said, it's, it's a great tool to build up um, your skills with. Yeah, I loved your 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 idea of the egg shaker as well. I mean, as a percussionist myself, I mean, I do sort of quite a lot of samba workshops and, and sort of sort of anything percussion that you can hear or whatever. I use quite a lot of my workshops, and it, and it is that sense of you can you know with some really simple rhythmic ideas. And that I just I always talk to them about building up like a musical sandwich and the fact that you know these simple ideas, which actually can be quite. Um, good for their development in terms of their dexterity and movement and, and coordination and that kind of thing but when they're layered up with enough different sounds and the experimentation they can do with those sounds that the effects can be amazing and, and they always seem to really warm to that I think they do they do and you know they they are delighted with with the sound that they make and it can be off the beat uh, as terribly as possible <laughs> but but you know when they're interacting and they're um they're feeling it, the music and they're in, you know, obviously accuracy comes with practice, but they just, they, they love it. They, they really feel like they've, they've done something special, which is great to accomplish in, in any classroom. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, and the one thing I try and push and it sounds like you're on exactly the same page is the fact that I try and make sure that they feel like they're musicians from the first time they play anything, you know, whatever your ability, actually you're a musician from now because you're creating a sound, we're interacting, we're using all manner of different skills, whether it's watching or hearing or, or, or just even being able to know when to start and stop, you know, and actually to feel that then it's just a 
progression of building up your skills and then it takes you as far as you want to take it and um and i, and I think that's that's a great sense of, of kind of feeling like, yes, I can do this now, but I know where I can take it in the future, whatever that happens to be. It's a little bit like, you know, yes, I'm a storyteller because I've written a story, whether the story's two lines or whether it's, you know, 500 pages, you know, <laughs> it, it's whatever you are, whatever level. And I think if you can really take ownership of that, then, then it's great because you feel like you're taking part from the very beginning. It is. And music, learning music um, is a process and, you know, it should be enjoyed. And yeah, it's important to, to really, you know, let them know right away that, you know, just singing, just moving, listening, like you said, you know, that that makes somebody a, a musician and, and it's, um, it's fun to see that that develop in, in young kids. Yeah, and, and I think for me that's all that's always the starting point because it's very easy to get into to curriculum and, and I need this resource and that resource and all that kind of thing. But I think when you've got the essence of the sorts of things we've been talking about, you, you can take it in whichever way your skill set and your personality comes and I think then you're gonna be successful because you're able to transmit that enthusiasm to everyone that you're teaching. Mm-hmm, for sure. So Tell us a little bit about the Etsy side of everything. How did all that come about, and um, and how do you? How does it work? <laughs> how did you start <laughs> developing it? How did you decide to to sell these things, and how did that all come about? Yeah, well, I've I've always um I've always been a little bit crafty, I guess. Um, I love making things for my kids. Um, I love you know painting things and making stickers and making hands-on manipulatives that kids can learn from and and they love when you bring that stuff into your classroom you know they get a they get excited when you put something in their hands so I guess I've always been you know making things for my for my classroom um so I, I was on a break from teaching for, for a year or so, and I, I just kind of was in a point of my life where I had the time and I had some ideas in my head, and I opened up a Etsy store, and I, I only had a couple products at the beginning, um, one that uh, in particular that I had, I had kind of developed the summer before that, and it just kind of took off. Um, you know, I asked around and really did some research about how to to get my name out there. It's it's um, the hard thing about Etsy is it's it's a lot of self promotion and marketing. Even though there's obviously a built in search engine, you have to drive people to your store and 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 tell people what what you have to offer. So, you know, I I, I did enough. I did as much research as I could, and it. It's, it grew from, you know, a very tiny store to, you know, a medium store. <laughs> um, you know, I'm hoping it, it continues to grow. It's something I'm very passionate about. I, I love offering products that can help any teacher make their life a little easier um, in the classroom. And, and I love making things that children can put in their hands and learn from and experience music through. So, and can you give us a, a I don't know a, as wide an example as you can of, of actually physically what those things are, what they look like, how you created them, and 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 then sort of how they're being used. Sure, um, I've got several. Um, I've got several manipulative and game type products. Um, a lot of them are great for centers and small groups, or you know, if you wish to purchase you know larger amounts for classes, they're great too. Um, one of my main products that kind of got my store started is something I call Rhythm Blocks. They're four wooden blocks. Um, 
on with with secured by in pins and they twist around to reveal a different rhythm on each side so um, with four of them in a row they're great for dictation they fit in little hands perfectly and you know for example the teacher may clap a rhythm or play a rhythm on a drum and they can just simply twist the blocks to represent the rhythm to dictate the rhythm um, they're they're just really great for those hands-on um, kinesthetic learners that need a little bit of help. Um, maybe they're not so great with a pencil in hand or a marker in hand. And it's it's really great for those learners and, and others as well, all learners. So it's that's kind of one of the, the main products that I really got started with. And I also have, um, I have a lot of things related to rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of, I guess that's something I, I just naturally concentrate on for some reason but um you know something as simple as little um as little clear gems with rhythm on them um and you lay those down on on a a four beat pattern or three beat pattern to again represent a, a rhythm and those are the types of things that I enjoy creating to really provide those hands-on experiences in the classroom that that help promote music literacy and I think what you there, what you painted there was a picture of, of exactly that kind of thing. You know, as a teacher, when you're thinking, oh, I need to create a resource or something, or I want to change the the environment of how I'm delivering something. And, and I think, you know, that idea of I'm going to play a rhythm, can you find it? Or could you show me a rhythm that you want me to play? Or And that sort of back and forth. And like you say, the, the, the actual touching, the moving, and, and the interaction that comes with that is, is a very different one than I'm going to write on a whiteboard or we're going to practice drawing crotchets and quavers on a, on a piece of paper or whatever. And, and, and it really just sort of changes everything, doesn't it, for those children who really get it, who really enjoy that kind of way of learning. It, it does. And, and like you said, you know, I, I, I love personally, I love technology. You know, I love to display things. I love to, to have devices in the kids' hands. But it, when it comes down to it, you're going to have a lot of learners who need something in their hands, in the palm of their hands. And they need to be able to move and manipulate and, you know, really see a visual, physical representation of a musical concept. And that is is very valuable in the classroom to have those different techniques and those different approaches to reach everybody. And I, I guess color and that kind of sort of visual element of it is an, an important part of that, is it? It is, yeah. Um, color, you know, color is not only, you know, visually pleasing for the kids, obviously, but um, it can really help the teacher out. I have I have a few items that are color um, sorted where the teacher can say, OK, everybody, you know, show me this rhythm and red group. If your rhythms are red, you read your rhythm for me or blue group. It's your turn. And it really helps kind of um, differentiate and, um, you know, group those kids to where they're, they may be collaborating more together or, um, or kind of narrowing down to smaller group um, performance or knowledge. And one of the things you mentioned before, and I've, I've heard this a lot in lots of podcasts and things that I've listened to, but I think it's a very um, American sounding idea. It's this idea of centers. And that really is, from my understanding, it's having groups of children within one class where you're able to study or focus on one particular element of something or one particular practical idea 
that they're all doing separately and then often I guess you move around from one centre or one place that you are to another and uh, and that kind of thing is that is that my correct in thinking that yes basically yeah it, it you know you can have um you can have all your centers be um set up around the room and they can all be different concepts um that you've been studying and you want to kind of have an accumulation of, of knowledge that day or it can be a different center on the same concept so that they get a different experience at each station um they're great for for classrooms where you know, the kids enjoy working together, but maybe they can't handle large, large groups or it's it's great for the teacher. It, it does. It gives you a break in your voice a bit to rest, <laughs> um, even though you're you're obviously going around and checking on everybody and seeing how they're playing and seeing how they're cooperating. But it's it's a great skill. It's it's something that's that's more and more common. And a lot of a lot of administrators are looking for small group interaction rather than whole class teaching so it's great for those moments yeah yeah and i really like the fact that i'm really keen on encouraging experimentation you know in especially when they're young you know what does this sound like how many different ways can you make it do something different or how can you create this sound you know is it metallic is it is it wood or whatever it happens to be and and it's quite hard to do those things like you said in a large group but actually when you've got lots of sensors or lots of different ways of doing it and i, and I think one of the key things is that is for you as a teacher to be really clear about how it all works you know how how long is each sort of area going to be or each center how long are you going to spend on each particular center you know how do you get them to start how do they know when to stop is, is there a signal is it visual is it <laughs> is it um, um, a sound of some description you know how do they then move from one group to the next and, and all that kind of thing and they could be really simple ideas but it, it's important that you as the teacher actually really understand how it works for you and how you can then make sure that the children understand it works as well Right. I mean, it takes practice to to implement centers in your classroom. It's not something you can just set out a bunch of things and say, go, (laughs) you know, they 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 do need a lot of guidance. And luckily, you know, they they experience that um, in most U.S. classrooms. they they do this type of thing and and so coming to the music room and experiencing it as well you know is mostly pretty natural but they will act like they've never heard of it before sometimes <laughs> but but yeah it's it's definitely something that you have to develop as a teacher and you have to um come up with your your transitions and how how do you present the directions and you have to practice it before it happens so it's different in every classroom it just depends on your kids and and your personal personality and your setup. But it's great because, you know, in, in a lot of classrooms, a lot of teachers don't have the luxury of having a class set of instruments or a class set of, of manipulatives. So setting up small centers really gives them a chance, the kids a chance to have more access to those things without having to wait 20 minutes for a turn. You know, they, they get access to those experiences and you know obviously with ability to reinforce concepts at the same time yeah and I, and I think that um amount of time and the concentration and, and I think that the, the ability to sort of to be relatively fast paced you know you're here for five minutes or you're here for 10 minutes or this is going to be a quick one or whatever or however you decide to do it and um and a little mm-hmm. bit like we talked about before it really is you know use your skills use your 
what you have to offer to make that part of your class you know as a drummer I spend a lot of my time it's like you say it's really rhythm based you know that I can do that and, and I can make lots of noise and and all that kind of thing but if you know if you're much more vocal based or, or if you or if your skills are, are elsewhere just use whatever works for you and I think that that way that they really do get to understand who you are which is an important factor in, in terms of getting music across isn't it it is it is absolutely let's just round off in terms of where can people go and have a look at your store? Where can they find all these things? Because it was it was the it was the visuals that really got me when we first connected. Because I just thought that's that's something which really just brings a classroom to life. It's something which can really aid teachers in so many different ways, as we've spoken about before. But it's only when you really sort of connect with those things that you can really get that across. So where can people go in and check all those things out and and purchase them if they want to? Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I've got a website. Um, I've got a basic kind of landing page website um, that that's um, a little easier to remember maybe than the more specific ones. Um, you can go to www.rhythmicallyyours.com. And that has a link to my Etsy store. I also sell on Teachers Pay Teachers for um, for digital downloads. Um, but that, that site is sometimes a little more easy to remember than directly to Etsy. But my Etsy is also um, rhythmicallyyours.etsy.com. And, um, you know, I, I have a variety of stuff. I've, I've got things... Um, for both the teacher personally, like, um, you know, and then of course the, the classroom materials that are, are becoming a great way to, to teach. So. Yeah, that's fantastic. And we'll have links to all of those, um, on the uh, education on com show page for this particular, um, episode. So if you go to education on com forward slash Kelly parish, um, that it'll pop up and we'll have links straight through to all those things. So if you haven't quite remembered it from there, you can definitely <laughs> get it from the show notes. So, um, Kelly, thanks so much for chatting. It's been really interesting. It's great to, to have a conversation with someone, um, in America as well as just people that we speak to, um, here in the UK. And, and I think what I love about it is that the you know music is the center and the connection for all of these things and while some of the names might be different and some of the um ideas in in terms of how you have to say them are different the actual musical elements always the same and that's that's what connects us all together absolutely i love that music is a universal language so it's been a pleasure talking to you do you need help and support in creating and embedding music in your school if so, we have created Primary Music on Fire to help you with just this, a music membership site that's taking the fear out of teaching music by giving you the step-by-step skills and ongoing support you need to produce lifelong musical memories for you, your school, and your pupils. Go to educationonfire.com forward slash primary hyphen music. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.